With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. Tuesday, June 21st, early morning hours following a Cardinals loss to the Brewers. Not the way the Cardinals wanted to open up the four-game set in Milwaukee, but once again, you had a pitcher's duel involving Miles Michaelis. Miles Michaelis seems to have attracted some of the best arms in the majors when he's had his night to pitch on the mound for the Cardinals this season. And tonight it was Corbin Burns that he had to go up against. The ace of the Milwaukee Brewers won the NL Cy Young Award last season and is one tough customer. And it seems like the Cardinals have always had trouble hitting this guy. In fairness, most everybody does. His ERA down to, I want to say, about 2.30 after the win tonight for Corbin Burns. He improves to 5-4 and four on the season. 3.21. I was close. 10 strikeouts in seven scoreless innings for Burns tonight. Two hits, two walks is all the Cardinals could muster against him. And Juan Yepes actually had both of those base hits against the Brewers starting pitcher. Cardinals lose it two to nothing. And as we've seen before this season, Miles Michaelis ends up as the hard luck loser despite pitching pretty well, pitching into the seventh and not maybe quite as far as he did in his last outing, which was the no hit bid, eight and two thirds. And then he had the, if we go a little bit further back, the eight-inning complete game down in Tampa. He was the hard luck loser on that night going against Shane McClanahan, one of the best pitchers in the American League, maybe a candidate for the AL Cy Young Award this season. He's also faced Sandy Alcantara. He's faced Max Scherzer this year. Michaelis has had to go against some really talented arms, and that maybe partially explains his record of 5-5 five and five after tonight, despite the fact that his ERA after six and a third Innings of two-run baseball is 2.64 on the season. He is performing as the Cardinals' ace as of right now with the way that he's been pitching. Just really solid stuff from Michaelis. And once again, as has happened before to him this season, it it was really one pitch that he probably wished he had had back. A two-run homer to Tyrone Taylor. Those were the only runs scored in this game by the Brewers. The only run scored overall is Cardinals could not muster anything against Burns. Didn't get anything off of Devin Williams. And then Josh Hader returned. I believe he was on the paternity list, and he came back for this game. His ERA below one for the season. He got his 20th save, and the Cardinals fall 2-0. So we'll break down a little bit of what happened in this game tonight on B-Shape Daily. We'll also take a step back a day, discuss a little bit of Sunday and the way the Cardinals fell in that series to the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. They lost two out of three, and the way the Cardinals lost the two games that they did, I think colored the explanation that Oliver Marmel had after Sunday's game as to why the Cardinals were maybe looking to go a little bit of a different direction with the roles in the bullpen, shaking things up a little bit. We'll talk about what moves Ollie Marmel 
said would come on Sunday and then how on Monday we actually did see some of that take place. So let's begin at the beginning here as I wanted to get a little bit of recap of the Boston series because it colors some of what took place on Monday in terms of the way that the Cardinals manager operated inside of the bullpen roles with his guys out there. So Cardinals lose two of three to Boston and Friday we had to be shaped daily after Friday's game. Go back and check that out. And the conversation was about TJ McFarland and the decision to use him when Ollie Marmel did. We went into super depth on that discussion and that situation. So check back on the B-Shape Daily feed if you want a real nitty-gritty version of those events. But basically what it boiled down to is Cardinals were down by two runs. And in those situations, Marmel is not going to go to Gio Gallegos. He's not going to go to Hennessy Cabrera. He's not going to go to Ryan Helsley. I know that at the end of the Boston series, we can look back and say, well, shoot. He didn't need Helsley or Gallegos for any of those three games. He finally did use Hannes Cabrera on Sunday. But when you look back and go, well, man, that seems like a waste to lose two games because of bad performances out of the bullpen, but you never did use your top two guns out there. Isn't that a mistake? Shouldn't they have gone a different direction? And I don't think that's the takeaway. I may be stubborn as hell for believing this, but I don't think that's the takeaway from the Cardinals losing two out of three in Boston. Saturday was great. They won 11-2, to two, I think it was. The offense supplied all the ammunition that was needed. Dakota Hudson pitched okay, and they were able to clean things up without needing to go to any of their big names out of the bullpen. But when you go on Friday to TJ McFarland in that two-run situation, again, this is not a tie game. This is not a game that the Cardinals are leading late, and so that colors the decision-making process a little differently for the manager. The manager has to think about what it looks like over the course of 162 games and not just in the middle of June, can we win this series in Boston? He's got to think ahead a little bit more than that. And the other thing we got to realize is he cannot anticipate, nor do I believe he should be expected to anticipate, which days he might happen to need certain relievers and which days and maybe even which series he won't end up needing them at all. Like, I don't know how the manager is supposed to say on Friday, yeah, we should have gone to our more prominent relievers because we're not going to need either of them on Saturday or any of the three on Saturday because we're going to win the game by nine and it's going to be no problem. And then on Sunday, we're not going to have a lead, so it's not going to be a big deal. We can go after this game on Friday. He cannot see the future. And so he's got to make those decisions in real time. And sure, if there's a five, six, seven-day period where the Cardinals are never in a save situation, they never have a one- or two-run lead to protect in the seventh and eighth and ninth innings, then maybe he'll say, all right, we haven't gotten those guys in a game for a while. This is a chance to use them where we otherwise wouldn't. But because we haven't seen him in a game for a while, okay, we'll go ahead and do it. I think you do eventually get to that point. But I don't know that that was the case on Sunday when the Cardinals, once again, trailing by a couple of runs. They were trailing by one, I believe, when Henesis Cabrera came in, and he did happen to give up a run in his second inning of work. And so that kind of changes this discussion a little bit. We have to remember, even when you do bring in the quality relievers, the guy that you supposedly trust, any of them, they're also capable of not getting the job done, of giving up a run. Cabrera has an ERA of 2.43 this year, but he did. He gave up a run on Sunday, came in for the end of the sixth inning, was able to 
get out of that jam, but then had a couple of walks, a couple base hits allowed, and only ends up pitching a, a full inning, leaving for Hagen to clean up the last out of the seventh. He did so successfully, but then rerun homer in the eighth inning allowed by Drew Verhagen, and that's where things sort of went off the rails for the Cardinals because until that point, even considering the run that was allowed by Cabrera, which you would describe as aggressive bullpen usage by Marmol in that spot, was a a three-to-one game even after that run was given up. So, okay, we're going to go with Cabrera in a one-run game. Hasn't pitched in a few days. We can afford to do that. And maybe if he keeps it there, we might even consider going to Gallegos in a one-run game. But once Cabrera gives up that run, it's up to Verhagen at that point to clean it up in the seventh. He does, but then again, it's a two-run game. How many arms are we going to waste tonight in a game that's more than likely a losing effort? Cardinals have mustered one run in eight innings, and we're down by two runs. That's the way that Ollie has to think about it and say, let's get another inning out of Verhagen. Let's see. This is his role. This is his spot. Well, Drew Verhagen did not get the job done. He gave up a three-run bomb, and now... It's 6-1, to one, and you're shaking your head because Cardinals are out of this game, right? And when Juan Yepes hits a three-run bomb in the top of the ninth, you're really shaking your head because you think, hey, if Verhagen hadn't done that, if he hadn't struggled in that spot, had been able to get through the eighth unscathed the way he did the seventh and out of that jam, Cardinals probably win this game. They'd be up 4-3 to three if they hadn't given up a three-run homer of their own in the prior inning. And so that's frustrating. That's frustrating for the fans. I'm telling you, it's frustrating for the team. And the reason you know that the team and the manager in particular is frustrated and that he he was feeling that after the game on Sunday is he said, we've got to have other guys who can get outs. I'm not giving the ball to Gio or Helsley down two runs. I'm just, I can't do it. We have to have other guys that can get outs. And he's right. That's what I'm saying. I don't think you can anticipate as Ollie Marmel that, oh, well, we're not going to need these guys on on Monday in Milwaukee because our offense is going to do nothing. Corbin Burns is going to shut us out, and Michaelis is going to have one bad pitch where he gives up a home run. So, actually, we could have used Gio Gallegos or Ryan Helsley there because uh, they're not going to pitch on Monday either. There's no way to anticipate that. You can't anticipate that, and you can't manage for it. Honestly, you can't put yourself into a situation where you're counting on the bad things that are going to come later on. I know it sounds backwards because you're waiting for the opportunity for your good pitchers to be needed instead of putting them into the game and then perhaps creating some more good opportunities to where you can actually win games by by having already used those guys. And I can sit here and recognize that a lot of fans are thinking, well, this is the dumbest chicken and egg debate that I've ever heard because you just lost two games that were absolutely winnable had you used some of your better pitchers, and then you ultimately didn't even end up using them. I totally hear you if that's the camp you're sitting in. But again, Ali's job isn't to anticipate when those days are going to come, when those stretches are going to arrive where you don't need to use those relievers with a lead because you don't have a small lead. It's impossible to know. It's, It's a losing game that the manager would have to play at that point. So where I do put the onus and where I do want to emphasize right now is the fact that you just need other relievers to be not bad. (laughs) That is the key in all of this. The phrase is deep bullpens make good managers. And the Cardinals don't have a deep bullpen right now. And especially with the way that they've been managing it. And I can, I can fault Marmel for this. I think they spent a little bit too long. They didn't react quickly enough 
to reshuffling the roles in the bullpen. I think this is something that could have happened before the Boston series instead of after it, but the Boston series really highlighted the problem that existed where you're giving these innings to TJ McFarland to Drew Verhagen, and it wasn't Whitgren this time, but they had been doing it with Whitgren, and his ERA is 5.4 as well. Verhagen's is over 5.5. McFarland's is like 7.4. And these were the first guys they were going to outside of the group of relievers that you would say the quote-unquote circle of trust, the guys you use if the game is tied or you're ahead by one or two runs late. The Gallegos's, the Helsley's, the Cabrera's, ideally you reserve those guys for those situations. It's not the manager's fault that none of those situations arrived over the weekend. I don't think it means he should spring into action and suddenly pitch those guys and throw them all in one game in a losing effort just to try to hope that the Cardinals can come back because then what happens on Monday, which it didn't, but what you got to be a little bit concerned about is you then have a safe situation against your division rival, the team that you're tied for first place with, and you maybe do have a one-run lead. Let's say the Cardinals had taken advantage of one missed pitch by Corbin Burns and hit the homer, and you're up 2-0 or 1-0 or 2-1 or 3-2, whatever it would be. And suddenly you're like, well, uh, go ahead, Nick Whitgren. You, you're up because we used we used our best relievers over the weekend in games that we didn't have a very good statistical chance to win. And so I understand that people can look and obviously say, well, that's not what happened, Brendan. They lost all these games, and they didn't end up using Helsley or Gallegos. So you have egg on your face. I hear you. That's not the way that the manager can manage. You, I don't know if you if it just boils down to you got to take my word for it. Uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like these are these are phrases that we could say because it's true. Hindsight is twenty twenty. We you cannot always operate as though you know what the future is going to bring because we obviously don't. After the fact, it gets really easy to go. Okay, Helsley could have pitched on Friday. Gallegos could have pitched on Sunday. Helsley could have pitched on Monday. You would have had everybody fresh and everybody available. And like you'd be right, but you don't know what the results of those games are going to be at the time and what the situation's going to call for. And so for me, rather than look at why Ollie didn't try to burn up his best relievers in June so that by the time August and September arrives, they've potentially been used more than they can handle and they're no good to you anymore, which happens every single year, not only in the Cardinals organization, but I mean... Again, if you're one of those fans that belabored the point when Mike Matheny was here, especially, and and to an extent Mike Schilt, but mostly Matheny was always accused of this, of just burning relievers into the ground, using them every day, and then people are like, well, of course, by September he's no good. He's going to give up the bomb in the playoffs because he's not healthy. He's just worn down. His arm's tired. Of course, that's the case. If you complained about that kind of stuff, you can't then turn around and be like, well, why doesn't Ollie use these guys every day? Why doesn't Ollie know that in a two-run game, I know they're losing, but the offense can come back. You got to use these guys. You got to try to win this game, win the the ones you're in. You can't really have it both ways. It's not fair to the manager. It's not respecting the difficulty of what that job brings when you don't have the benefit of hindsight when you're making those decisions. You don't know that Sunday you're not going to be up three to two going into the 7th or 8th inning. The goal is to be up 3-2, to two, or obviously you'd rather be up more than that, but the goal is, hey, we're going to have a little bit of a lead here so we can use our best relievers to bring us home. And 
Unfortunately, they got caught waiting for that moment all weekend, but I don't think that's a manager thing. I think at the end of the day, it's you've got to have different relievers that can help you. You cannot just have a bullpen of three guys. And if you watch the post game from Sunday, you could sense the frustration in Marmel's voice when he talked about, like, I can't do it. I cannot use these guys in those spots. Somebody else is going to have to get outs for us. And he said the way that we're going to approach it now is Zach Thompson, rookie left-hander, is going to get the McFarland role. He's going to come in in those spots as the lefty that we need when the situation calls for a lefty moving forward in the middle innings or in the late innings when we're down by a couple of runs and trying to keep it right there. And from the right-handed side, it's going to be Johan Oviedo. He's taking the Drew Verhagen spot and really kind of the Nick Wickren spot a little bit as well. They tried Verhagen in the role. It hasn't worked. It just has not worked out. And so, Johan Oviedo, you're here. You're the guy. We're going to give you a try. See if that can't work. And that's sort of where we get into Monday's game where the Cardinals obviously didn't score any runs. And I know it gets old to hear, oh, you tip your cap because the opposing starter was just that good. Corbin Burns is an exception where I say, okay, he is just that good. Is anyone surprised that they didn't score any runs? No. Every time they face Corbin Burns, they either don't score runs or they get uh, some here and there and they really chip and grind away and they're able to come up with a little bit of something. And tonight they just were not. And you could be frustrated by that. You could be frustrated by three hits and nine innings. You could be frustrated by the fact that the Brewers are now in first in the division, surpassing the Cardinals. They came into Monday night tied. Absolutely, that's a, all those things are frustrating. I'm not all that surprised. It's Corbin Burns. He's probably going to win the Cy Young again this year. You don't love to see 12 strikeouts in nine innings. It's not ideal. Not all that surprising. Miles pitched really well, made one mistake, and that ends up being the difference in the game. Cardinals lose it 2 nothing. Yeah, you got to try to get some runs at some point, but it's just, it's just one of those things where the offense was just not able to get it done tonight, and... It's frustrating, no question about it. It's not a trend that can continue against some of the lesser pitchers from Milwaukee, uh, but most teams that face Corbin Burns, you figure are going to experience something like what the Cardinals experienced on Monday. Offense has to be better. That's the takeaway. I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. Hopefully they'll be better on Tuesday. It was going to be Aaron Ashby, the left-hander, that would start for Milwaukee, but he is now on the injured list. 15-day, I believe, a forearm issue for him. Uh, which is bad for one of my fantasy teams. But now I'm not entirely sure who is going to take the ball for the Brewers in Tuesday's game. For the Cardinals, it's going to be Jack Flaherty, which we can get into here in a moment what the expectations for him are going to be. But first, real quickly, and and while I'm talking about it, I did look it up. It looks like the Brewers have announced Chi-Chi Gonzalez, ERA of 7.71 this season. I don't think he's thrown very many innings. But that's who Jack Flaherty will oppose on Tuesday And my goodness, is that a pitching advantage for the Cardinals that they have got to take advantage of? There won't be any conversation about, oh, you know, they just faced a really good pitcher. If they they scored one run, that's the way it goes. Nope, you've got to score runs on Tuesday, period, the end. Offense has absolutely got to step it up. I want to talk real quick, though, about what Johan Oviedo did on Monday because he did get the chance in that exact kind of situation. Cardinals were down by two. Michael is pitching to the seventh. Oviedo came in cleaned up a little bit of a mess there, and then pitched the eighth inning scoreless. Gave up two hits in the outing, inning in two-thirds, two hits, one strikeout, no walks is key for Oviedo. His ERA for the year is 3.55 in St. Louis. That's solid. Just needed the 23 pitches to get through the uh, one and two-thirds innings. So really good job by Oviedo. 
17 strikes, not giving up free passes. That's an important part of being able to to keep a game where it is to allow your offense the chance to come back. Give them the opportunity to do it. Didn't happen tonight, but he did his job, and so I'm hopeful that you see more of that from Oviedo. He can be a right-hander out of the bullpen that can actually make a difference for this team because when you're losing those games by two or three runs, you stay losing by two or three runs when you have effective relievers come in and eat some innings. And then your offense, it's up to them at that point, of course. But it's something they did successfully on Friday. They did it on Sunday. They scored four in the ninth on Friday, three on Sunday. Both times, though, it was for naught because you didn't end up keeping it there with the relievers that had come in prior. So that's frustrating, but maybe now that's a fix. And hopefully from the left side, when there's, say, three lefties in a row or there's a spot in the lineup where it's the bottom of the order and two of them are lefties, Zach Thompson's going to get those spots instead of McFarland. That should be the case. I think at the end of the day, regardless of how this experiment goes with these young pitchers getting these opportunities, John Mozalek is going to have to act because unless you know you reserve TJ McFarland and his seven and a half ERA for mop up duty for a while, try to get things figured out, maybe he does. But eventually, you might have to replace some of the struggling pitchers in your bullpen with guys from the outside. Whether that's via trade, you find a diamond in the rough like McFarland and Luis Garcia were last year. Whatever it is, Moselec has got to have his finger on the pulse, I think, uh, because the the good bullpens, you know what they do at the trade deadline? They add more relievers to get another good arm in there because they know that attrition happens, injuries happen. And so even the good bullpens need to be able to make those kinds of moves. Those The GMs have got to add talent to those those groups as the, as the season goes along. John Moselec is not faced right now with a bullpen that I would call good top to bottom. He's got a good few guys at the back end, He's got an answer with what Marmel's doing to shake things up to to try and put Oviedo and Thompson in there. That's a potential answer. I still don't think it's going to be enough, even if all of those guys are successful and even if Jordan Hicks comes back and he can be a reliever for a couple innings for you from the right side, I still think inevitably you're always going to need more because injuries do happen. We've seen it this year. A lot of guys have gone down from time to time throughout the season. And so I do think Mo is going to have to be able to be flexible and find a way to get not just like a a garbage bin reliever diving for 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 gold in the, in the dumpster. You have to actually, I think, make a trade for somebody's closer, for somebody's top relief pitcher that can then slide into your bullpen and, and bolster the group. I think that is going to be an absolute necessity, regardless of how Oviedo does, regardless of how Zach Thompson performs and, and whether Hicks can slide into that role. I still think you're going to need one more, and I'll be interested to see how they do that. I know it's not going to happen in June. It never does. Moselak is typically one to wait out the market and see what arrives. I wouldn't wait too long, though. I would be on that situation making sure you're willing to bolster a group that I think is is worthy of bolstering. Like, it's a good team. Cardinals have a lot to be excited about this year. They've got some issues, though, as well. And I think finding a little bit of help for that bullpen even with the roles changing around and maybe that ends up working, I still think you're going to need more help after that. But as it happened on Monday, bullpen, all the good relievers in the world would not have made the difference. Cardinals did not score a run. They lose 2-0 to the Brewers. Hopefully Jack Flaherty able to have a little bit more success in his second outing of the season. He didn't have the debut that he wanted against the Pirates on Wednesday. What does this look like in Milwaukee? Can he find that extra gear? I don't know the exact pitch count that they'll be looking at for him, but probably 70 to 75 and hopefully more efficiency. Better counts to get himself into, to get him some quick innings, 
If he can get through five innings, I think that would be considered a win. That might take some better efficiency than he had in the first one. He can't have a 31-pitch first inning and hope to get where he wants to go. So hopefully Jack Flaherty is able to do that. Like I said, I think the Cardinals do have the pitching advantage. And so we'll be here Tuesday night to break down what Flaherty is able to do against the Brewers as the Cardinals go for the win to try and tie the Brewers back up in the NL Central standings. For now, St. Louis is a game behind Milwaukee after the loss on Monday. One other note that we need to make before we get out of here, it's an injury-related note and not a good one for the Cardinals, is Tyler O'Neill is back on the injured list once again. This time it's with a hamstring. We saw it happen in the ninth inning of Sunday's game in Boston. He had a double that probably would have been a triple if he didn't get injured in the middle of running the bases. Right as he rounded first base, you could tell just it, it, the hamstring went out on him. Left hamstring issue for Tyler O'Neill. Mike Gersh spoke in Milwaukee. I saw a video of this where he basically said it's not all that serious for Tyler O'Neill, but if it's a case where a guy's discomfort and he's going to be out four or five days, you, you don't need to try and push him, especially with a soft tissue injury like this. And so they went ahead, instantly decided it's going to be IL. Hopefully it's just 10 days, two weeks sort of deal for Tyler because he was hitting really well. I know we started off really slowly to the season, but if you look at his numbers over the last couple of weeks, since he returned from the other stint on the injured list, which happened because of a sore shoulder from about mid to late May, and he came back on June 7th. In those couple of weeks since June 7th, OPS of 905, batting average of 354, couple of home runs, and I believe eight RBIs. That 905 OPS is only slightly behind the 912 OPS that Tyler O'Neill had last season. And you remember last season, Tyler O'Neill won the gold glove, and with that offensive contribution that he gave at 912 OPS, he was eighth in the MVP vote. He was there for a reason. He was one of the best, most productive, valuable players in the National League last year for the Cardinals. And basically, I know it was a small sample of like 13 games, two weeks almost, but he was basically that guy over the last couple of weeks. He was not to begin the year, but with his numbers from the last couple of weeks, O'Neill went from batting 190-something to hitting 240, and the OPS went from 552 all the way 100 points higher to 653. So that's still not the end destination for Tyler O'Neill, but the numbers were looking really good. And so that's why this injury comes at a really bad time because he was beginning to settle back into the middle of the order bat that he was for the Cardinals last year. I still think by the end of the season, he will become that and he will show that and the numbers will show that. He had six hits in his last two games. He was really starting to show it at the plate. Hopefully he can get back healthy. That is the key. He goes 110% at everything he does. And so a guy like him, athletic, it's, you know, you got to stretch all these things. You can do everything right and still have a hamstring issue crop up on you. And that's what happened to O'Neal. He goes balls to the wall. And so I think sometimes those injuries are, are more likely to happen to a guy like him who's just so athletic, operates at a speed that very few people can fathom. And so sometimes your hamstrings, your, your groin, your quads, you're going to have issues there. Ideally, just a couple of weeks for Tyler O'Neill. Based on what Mike Gersh said on Monday, it sounds like that's probably the case, but I'm not counting my chickens yet on that situation. Probably see some more Juan Yepes. I think it probably would have been a good time to give Paul DeYoung a shot back in the in the lineup and on the Major League roster because he's been hitting the ball better at Memphis. Going the other way, numbers are looking improved. But they went Lars Newtbar. I don't love that just because, I, I mean, I like Newtbar being around. I don't think they've utilized him very properly this season. 
And in the opportunities he has gotten, he hasn't hit much, which has led to fewer opportunities. He's on the Memphis shuttle. Not to mention the fact that you can only option the guy five times throughout the year before then you have to expose him to waivers. Now that's a new rule for 2022. And so I can't imagine the Newt Bar stint is going to be all that lengthy if O'Neill gets back and then they option him again. I think that'll be the third time this year. And so I don't want them to get into a spot where they either can't feel like they can call Newt Bar back up because they're worried about the option rules or they would then call him back up and then decide they want to send him back down and, and risk losing him on waivers. I can't fathom that would happen, but I just feel like maybe going to young would have made a little bit more sense right now, because I don't know how much they're going to be willing to actually use Lars Newt bar. When you know that Donovan and Yepes can play the outfield. I, I don't know that you needed the extra outfielder. They thought they did. I hope that Newt bar when he gets a chance can show himself a little bit better than he has so far, because maybe that's what it'll take to get him further chances with St. Louis this season, but we'll have to wait and see how that one goes. That though is going to do it for this edition of B shape daily. Appreciate you guys as always for listening. Make sure to subscribe Spotify, Apple podcasts and Google podcasts. Give me a follow on Twitter at B shape for 12 and send me a direct message with topics of conversations, questions, comments that you'd like to see discussed on B shape daily moving forward. And I'd be happy to do it. Thanks once again for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on B shape daily. Peace.